Welcome to Clinician Voice Podcast. I'm Robin Geiger, SVP of Clinician Advocacy for Ingenivus Health. Today, we speak with a nurse manager about some of the challenges for nurses on the front lines, as well as how she's leading through exposure to trauma and our current climate of clinician burnout. Ms. Rachel Chavez has over 25 years of nursing with extensive experience embedding and fostering a patient-centered culture. She's a board-certified nurse manager and Pathway to Excellence Program Director for Broward Health, Imperial Point in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where she leads process improvement and works to improve employee engagement, quality, and patient safety in a healthy work environment. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Chavez. May I call you Rachel? Please do. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the podcast. So let's get right into it. There's a lot going on within the healthcare paradigm right now. How has your role as a nurse manager evolved in response to the recent healthcare challenges? Well, you know, there's definitely a difference between being a leader and a manager. And I find that in the role of as a nurse manager these days, you're more of a coach, a mentor. Um, I've had to get really good at understanding people, um, seeing them as an in- individual and understanding that they our nurses are looking for opportunities to grow and for professional development. So how can we help them grow? Um, so a lot of focus on coaching the nurses and seeing what they're interested in, how they would like to develop, how they would like to be involved and, and holding them accountable for that while helping them get there and supporting them. Understand. And so I always ask my guests, and so I'm going to ask you this question as well. You, you just unpacked a lot. What keeps you up at night? Like, what are you most concerned about regarding healthcare? So I'd say that would be our, the safety of our staff. We have seen recently an increase in violence in the workplaces. Our nurses are vulnerable, you know, and that's scary for them. And it's scary for me as a nurse leader, because you want to be able to reassure your staff and let them know that they're safe and that we're doing all we can to keep them safe. Um, And it's definitely a challenge because of the increase in violence. We hear about it in the news. You know, we've seen reports of, of nurses getting attacked on their, on their break, you know, and we want our nurses to feel safe. Last year, I went with the American Organization of Nurse Leaders to Capitol Hill to speak to lawmakers about supporting legislation focused on keeping nurses safe at work. Um, It's important that we empower our nurses to use their voice to raise awareness of workplace violence so that they can influence policy and garner support from those who can influence the legislation. Um, And how we do that is by encouraging them to report incidences so we can track and trend the types of incidents that are occurring and, you know, try to mitigate those incidences. Right. Um, Navigating, you spoke a little bit about how you navigate and address some of these issues related to, you know, what you're seeing on the front lines. Can you talk more specifically about nurse burnout and mental health for your teams? How are you supporting them through some of those challenges that you just mentioned? So, you know, we use a a variety of interventions. I think the one thing that we have found is that there is no one size fit all solution. Um, Wellness is multidimensional and it's not just about offering yoga classes. While we've done that, 
we found that we have to look at wellness from a multidimensional approach. So looking at spiritual wellness, financial wellness, social wellness, emotional, physical, occupational, environmental, right. intellectual. There's so many things that are important to nurses and it's not one thing that's going to fit for everybody. So we need to look at it from, from different views of what our nurses, what's important to them. I agree. Um, we actually at Ingenivus Health, we have the ACT program, which stands for Advocacy, Career and Tools. And we do the same thing. We're, we're making sure that um, we are responding to the needs, the voices of clinicians, and mm. giving them those resources and tools that they need, like you mentioned, for mental health, for, for wellness. And the biggest piece is making sure they understand how impactful their self-care is to providing that safe patient care. So I'm glad that you mentioned and touched on that. You know, the pandemic brought along a lot of dynamics that we weren't prepared for as a nursing profession. So let's start with just a retrospective look. Like, where were you during the, the during the pandemic? What were you doing? Well, March 2020, right? Yeah. So I started in my role as a nurse manager on this. It's a progressive care unit in September of 2019. Um, and this was a new organization for me and a new unit. I had come from a pediatric emergency department before this. And I remember we were watching it on the news as it was unfolding in New York. And, and my boss was like, it's coming. And we're like, is it? You know, and it's like, you couldn't really believe that it was coming. And then we're like, we can do anything for two weeks. And here we are, what, four years later, right? Um, so it was really just important that we over communicated because of the amount of change that was happening. And we had to make sure we focused on what was important to communicate because things were changing so quickly. Um, so I think the way that it changed our, the way we communicated was, you know, being able to use virtual platforms, like look at this podcast we're doing right now. Like this is amazing that we can connect with, with one another using technology. Right. Um, and that has increased our staff's access. We still do staff meetings virtually, which allows our night shift specifically to engage in staff meetings and be there for committee meetings that in the past they wouldn't typically have been able to do. So there's, you know, a lot of good things that have come out of it. It has made us open to other ways of doing things that we may not have done in the past. Right. Yeah, that was actually, you're, you're reading my mind a little bit. I was going to talk about like the different ways you communicate with your teams, especially during a crisis and, you know, have have you, looking back, were you able to find like that sweet spot of communication that you know that nurses respond best to on your team? What we found, found was most meaningful was the leadership being present. So while the nurses were going through a lot of really traumatic experiences, like we were there with them, you know, we were there day and night, we were there to support them, you know, we basically wanted to make sure that they knew that we weren't asking them to do something that we weren't there to also do alongside them. Right. I think that that was the most meaningful for them because they saw that they had the support, not only from their leaders, but really from the entire community, from the organization. And that made a huge difference. No, that's true. Um, and, and definitely being able to, to lead by example and to get right in there with them on the front lines and care for patients. And, um, you know, I, I've definitely, um, seeing you do that as far as, as mentoring and, and talking to you um, from previous conversations. So that's, it's really nice that you're willing to get in there and actually be one of the team. Thank you. Um, I'd like to shift just a bit 
to talk about the role of the nurse manager in promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in the nursing profession? I mean, how does that look from your perspective? So, you know, the there's a lot of buzz about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And while some feel like belonging and welcoming are the same thing, they're really not, you know, and it's really important that we create a welcoming environment because we can't always guarantee that people will feel like they belong, but we can create a welcoming environment where our intentions are pure and we're trying to make people feel welcome and that they belong. There's a place for them too. That that makes sense. Um, during this, because it seems like it's expanded more in the last few years. So during this this expansion of actually recognizing diversity, equity, inclusion, what type of like initiatives or maybe internal programs have you, you know, been able to create through your pathway to excellence that you know resonates with those nurses and and you know fosters that value and belonging feeling within your teams. So one of the things that we try to do is, you know, we identify, especially that we have a lot of um, different generations working together. So we try to, you know, get the voices of our our nurses through shared governance to find out what's important to them. You know, what will make them feel like they're part of a team. And we make sure we include everybody um, in the initiatives that that they put forth. You know, our shared governance works a lot on employee engagement activities and making sure that they're making connections and building relationships even outside of work Um, because we spend a lot of time together and it's important that we're able to all feel like part of the same family. I like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely having that clinician engagement is really huge. Um, And it sounds like you're you're implementing that through many of the program initiatives through your your Pathway to Excellence program. Can you just shift a minute to talk about some of the considerations about staffing? Um, I know right now that there's a lot of things going on regarding uh, staffing and safe staffing, particularly. What are you doing as far as in your role to ensure safe staffing for your teams? So again, this is a really important about communication, right? Because staffing is not just numbers. There's things that we have to take into consideration, such as skill mix, um, acuity. We have to look at our care models, you know, so we have to flex based on what's going on on the unit. We look at things like what tasks can be reassigned to non-clinicians. It's not always about everything being equal. You know, we have brand new nurses and we have nurses with experience and all of those things get taken into account when we're making assignments. Um, we do use um, travel nurses as well. And one of the things that we make sure we do is that we treat our travelers like their staff, because at the end of the day, we're all here to do the same thing to make sure that our patients get good care. And we want our nurses to know that when they come in here, that, you know, our expectations of them is the same expectations right. as staff nurses. And we're going to treat them accordingly. We're going to treat them just like they're one of our staff members. Um, so, you know, we include that we have travel nurses that have a lot of experience and could take care of our our most acutely ill patients or could be charge on our unit or could be preceptors. And we tap into them for that because we appreciate the value that they bring to our team. I love that. Giving them that inclusive inclusive feeling and making it meaningful to them. That's huge. I can tell you from being in that position where you're going from one unit to the next or one place to the next, um, no matter what skill level you have, you're always new. 
you're new because you're in right. new surroundings. So um, I like the fact that you've included them, especially in onboarding and um, different ways that you've provide that that social ambience to make them feel like part of the team. That's really important. Um, and, you know, uh, after my own heart with travel nurses, sometimes just, you know, hearing their experience isn't always the most welcome in right. these environments where they're all there to provide patient care. So it, it's, it's just surprising to me how that can happen in that situation. We have one goal, patient care, um, and we wanna do it safely and provide that safely. So um, thank you for doing that. That's really important. Um, I did have another question about um, just uh, if we could talk about professional development and education for your nurse staffing. Um, and if you could include how you work travel nurses into that, that would be great. But you know, we are always taught to lead by example so one, like, wh what are you doing to lead by example within your teams? And then how are you fostering that professional development for them? So professional development is important to me. I'm continually learning and looking for opportunities to get exposure and, and learn about different areas of healthcare. Um, and one of the things that I specifically do for my my staff is that we have coaching conversations um, where we have, you know, targeted questions and we sit down and meet with our nurses one-on-one -on -one to find out what are their goals? What are their career goals? What are they interested in learning? Is there some skill that they'd like to learn or some, and, and not necessarily a clinical skill, it could be something like communication or crucial conversations. Um, and we make sure that we, you know, guide them towards those opportunities because, we understand that they want the opportunity to grow and us giving them those opportunities is going to allow them that professional growth and hopefully, you know, keep them here in our organization because we're giving them those opportunities. Right. Um, we also have a very comprehensive onboarding for our travelers. We're not just like, here's the bathroom, here's the nurse's station, go. We make sure that we they understand what our expectations are. We include them in our staff meeting. I mean, of course, it's not required, but a lot of them come to our staff meetings because they want to know. They come That's to right. our engagement activities because they want to be part of the team. So, you know, supporting the staff as a whole and really understanding what they want to do is really important to us. I like that. Um, yeah, because, you know, usually if you want, once you leave a health system, even if it's temporarily, you know, just to travel, you still miss having that feeling of, you know, being a part of a group. So again, you know, incorporating them with, that's just, that's awesome that you're extending um, that professional development and education to them too, as well. So um, you mentioned a little bit about care teams. If we could just back up a little and um, just talk about that. Um, in some health systems, there's like a shift to utilize virtual nurses and you know, shifts away from traditional care teams. What are your thoughts on these new trends on virtual nursing and some of the other care team and hybrid care teams? Yeah, so we have implemented an alternative care team where we've started introducing LPNs back into the acute care setting. Um, you know, we we identify that the LPNs have a valuable skill set um, that they can contribute, and although it may not have worked how we originally intended it to work. And, you know, that's how 
things go in leadership sometimes, but we did find a way to allow them to practice within their scope while still contributing to patient care and not minimizing their role. So like we don't have them working as techs. They're working as LPNs on the floor, assisting the nurses in the provision of care, assisting with education of patients. And it's really giving some more nursing time back to our patients that sometimes our RNs may not be able to do because of some of the you know, burdens of documentation and other things that they have to do. Um, as far as the virtual nursing, that is something that, you know, we've looked at that's interesting to us. Um, interestingly enough, I interviewed a nurse recently and she was telling me that they use virtual nursing in the hospital that she came from. And since we've been looking into this, I'm like, well, you know, how, how did you, how does that make you feel? Like, how did you like it? Right. You know, she said that while she there is some value to it. Sometimes she feels like it does take away from what she's able to do because depending on what task the virtual nurse is doing, since that virtual nurse is not in the building, they sometimes still have to refer back to the nurse at the bedside. So she still can get pulled back into these things, into some of the tasks that the virtual nurses are doing. So I think there's definitely a place for it. And I think it's something that we'd like to look into more. I think it's also a good opportunity for job sharing, which is important to some nurses because they can do it from home, you know? And if right. it's something that you can have your nurse do two days a week here and one day a week as a virtual nurse, you still have your nurses that know your system, that know how you do things, who know your staff, you know, interacting with your patients. I think that that could only be a win for the patients. No, I like that. I think definitely leads to improved patient care, but I can see those different um, constraints or how it can add to the task of the nurse that's actually right there front and center, because, you know, they can tell you what's needed or what to do, but, you know, they may not be able to put their hands on, of course, and they're not going to be able to implement some of the tasks um, or some of the requests that the patient has, like go get some ice or, or things like right. that. So I can totally understand. I wonder how that would work as far as the virtual nurse, um, you know, on a care team with uh, a medical assistant or a CNA, certified nursing assistant, or a patient care tech, depending on, you know, what you call them and, and what you staff. Um, any thoughts to utilizing um, those types of allied professionals with also in the group with a virtual nurse and how that might look for you? I think that's definitely something that we could incorporate with the LPN role, because while the LPNs can help collect data and have a, you know, more skill set than our PCAs or medical assistants, I believe that those two working together could really help us accomplish some of those goals. We just need to identify what exactly we want how we want the virtual nursing to look in our organization and how we think it can help our nurses. So I think there definitely is some value to be able to, to use the LPNs along with the RNs in that, in that virtual nursing. Right. And then um, I, I'd like to know, I mean, it looks like, and what, from what I've been seeing, of course, many people would rather work from home or they'd rather work remotely leading to that virtual nursing and how, you know, some nurses may want that role as opposed to actually being front and center with patients. I mean, have you thought of how that might guide who gets to, to be in that virtual role or, you know, if you'd be able to shift that responsibility or opportunity, depending on how you look at it, around for all of the nurses or, or how you would look at that? Um, I was able to speak to um, someone in another health system, and they utilize that as a, a mixed 
matrix, meaning uh, mm-hmm. one one nurse will do virtual nurse this month and next month, you know, um, or week they'll do, um, you know, at the bedside in person care. So I, I definitely I hear you. There's some ways to to mix that around and. Going back to what you mentioned about LPNs, um, have you found that it's more difficult to recruit or attract LPNs because at one point, you know, definitely around magnet, things like that, they were not being utilized to the best of their abilities within the hospital systems? It has been a challenge for us to recruit LPNs, especially experienced LPNs for, for a number of different reasons. Um, so one thing that we found to be useful is we partnered with our local technical schools um, and we've brought LPNs back in using those avenues. So we're able to reach out to the schools, um, go out and interview the LPNs before they even graduate from the program. Oh, wow. um, we get an, get a chance to meet them and get to know them. So that's how we were able to recruit the LPNs. But getting experienced LPNs, since they haven't been in the hospital setting for so long and have been working in different settings and, and have experience that kind of makes them shy of coming right. back to the hospital with all the unknowns, it's worked out better for us to get new grads and train them based on what we're looking to accomplish in, in, in our unit. Right. No, well, I'm, hats off to you because I'm, I'm glad that you're utilizing LPNs. I, you know, I'm a little bit biased. Um, my first teaching role was teaching LPNs and ASN students um, at the bedside. And I can tell you the hands-on experience and application that they received was just tremendous. They, they definitely received really solid training and it, it would be just a waste of, of their resources and, and their abilities to not utilize them to the fullest. So I'm really glad that you're that you're implementing and, and including them in, in some of your your care teams. Yeah, thank you for, for doing that. Um, I'm hoping that more hospitals will shift to that as well. And then I know we're almost at the end of our session today, um, but I'd love to just have a little bit more from you on words of advice or encouragement that you would want to leave for um, those who may want to become a nurse manager and how they can get into the nurse manager role. So, you know, when you were talking earlier about how we'd identify nurses who um, we would engage in virtual nursing, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the nurse manager. You've got to be involved. You've got to be engaged. And, you know, that's why we have these development conversation with our nurses and try to identify people who are interested in nursing leadership, because we've got to get them involved in nursing councils and committees and evidence-based practice. Um, That's how we're going to position them to be able to step into these roles by teaching them what we know. You know, it's very important to me since I've been here, I've all of the ANMs I've worked with, I think, have been promoted um, because it's important to me to help develop them. I want them to know everything I know. I want them to be able to step into these roles seamlessly. You know, I probably won't be in this role forever, and I'd like my ANMs to get the opportunity to step into my role whenever I leave. Um, so, ANM, I, you're saying assistant, oh, nurse, assistant manager. nurse manager? Right. Yes, right. assistant right. nurse manager. So, um, you know, I think that our our role as a nurse manager has really evolved to be more of a coach. Um, And we are coaching our team. And it's important that, you know, we help our nurses who want 
to be nurse leaders learn how they can become involved and help them to learn so that eventually they will be able to step into these roles. I like that. So the biggest piece is it, it's not just supervising nurses um, or or admin team. It's a lot more than that. And, and it's also some ha- hands-on application, correct? Like you don't just switch from just, you know, being a bedside nurse to being uh, an administrative personnel right away. That's not how that works. It's, it's lots of hands-on. I mean, we're at the bedside with patients every day, you know, and just because you're leading the team, you've still got to be able to contribute and help your team, especially when, you know, things get hectic or there's little things that need to be done. I mean, I can run out and discharge a patient or help with an admission assessment or help clean patients, do vital signs. I mean, you got to be able to jump in and help your team in whatever way you can contribute, you know, and the, the team appreciates that and they respect you for it. So, you know, no, I understand. I mean, I'm actually visually seeing this right now and it's taking me back to my old ICU days. And, <laughs> and then I'm, I'm hearing the, the call bells. And I know that it, every nurse manager that I've seen in some way, once you come to that unit, if you don't work on the unit, once you come to the unit, it's hard to get back to your desk because you, you will always find some way to actually get your hands in there and help with patient care. So we appreciate that. And then, you know, also, any words of advice or encouragement that you would like to leave to our listeners about, you know, how healthcare is going or how how much work you're putting into improving healthcare for everyone? I mean, I've definitely seen healthcare change a lot in the 25 years that I've been a nurse. I'm definitely looking forward to what's to come. I think that, you know, it's important that we are optimistic, that we empower our nurses to use their voice and that we support one another, you know, support is what's going to help us all get through this. Um, so, you know, like I said, nurse leaders have become coaches. It's, it's a labor of love and it's really something that you've got to put your heart into to support your team and your peers and your boss and your organization and relate to the mission of, of the work that we're doing. Right. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today for this podcast episode. And, uh, you know, I, your nurses are lucky to have you and I'm um, really excited to have been able to unpack some of this and some of this conversation and share it with the world. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This concludes our episode for today. And we hope that you will definitely uh, join us for our next time that we meet and have conversations from leading healthcare experts and clinicians throughout the U.S. So we're excited to have partnered with you, Ms. Chavez, today, and we look forward to the next time on Clinician Voice. Thank you.